I'm so happy to be here today. Do you know, I nearly had a moment where I thought I was going to lose it. Because as we sang that song and I was asking God, you know, I want to move your heart. I want to live for you. All that kind of stuff. I suddenly just thought, well, I get to get up on stage today and speak on behalf of God. That I get to stand up today and reflect Jesus. How amazing is that? That actually God could take this shabby old life and do something incredible in it and would choose to speak through it. And that's not just because I'm special. He wants to do that in every single one of our lives. He is at work, church. He is at work. Um, I love the word that we heard just a couple of weeks ago. Um, We had uh, May up here, didn't we? And she said she just started singing in the midst of a cancer diagnosis with lumps still visible and felt in her body. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. God is at work. And how incredible is that? If you're feeling this morning just like, oh, I hear that all the time, but I'm not sure, hear it again. Trust it, believe it. He's at work. He's working for your good and he has a good plan. So I had to listen to the word last week on catch up because I was in kids doing my part and I'm really excited about all of you coming on board and being part of the team. So I listened to Sean's message and he started a series last week, oh it's not there yet, it'll be there in a minute, about what are you carrying and about the stuff that God does not want us to carry in our lives. Who was here last week to hear Sean's message? Who was impacted by it? There's loads of hands up, Sean, okay? They just weren't using their voices, but they were, they were waving and nodding like, yes, yes, I was impacted by that. And Sean did a great job. It's so funny listening to a message um, when you can't see what's going on on stage. So I can hear all of you at times laughing, whooping, shouting, and you're like listening. To, I was listening to it in my car thinking, I don't know what he's doing. What's he doing that's so amazing? Um, But I heard that Sean did a great job talking about anxiety not being ours, not being ours, fear not being ours. And today I'm going to talk about shame and guilt not being ours. Uh, When they asked me if I would speak on the week that was about shame, I thought, oh, like this is going to be emotional Um, Those of you that have been around family church for any length of time know that I'm good with tears. I cry really well. And um, when I thought about shame, I got emotional, not because I feel ashamed, but because I remember so clearly feeling so distant from God, so ashamed, and him lifting that off my life and setting me free just fills my heart with so, so much. Like that he would do that that he would do that for me. So I'm excited about sharing with you today about guilt and shame. You might be feeling a bit like, oh, what's this going to be about? But we'll go with it. Yeah, you ready? Got your good listening ears on when I'm in kids. I say, right, kids, we're going to do good sitting. Let me see if there's some good sitting going on. Okay, yes. Oh, Pastor Andy, you're sitting very nicely today. I'm really enjoying that. We're going to do some good looking. Let me see your eyes. Oh yeah, there's some beady eyes looking there. And we're going to do some good listening. Are you going to do some good listening today, Chet? Fantastic, fantastic. This was last week when we were in kids. So those of you that are coming on board, you're really going to love it. Um, 
So, are we going to talk about guilt and shame? And so I'm just going to give you a few definitions and then we're going to get into it. So guilt is this. It's feeling inadequate. It's feeling deserving of blame. It's the opposite to innocence. It's remorse. It's regretful of behavior. It's knowing that you've disobeyed or you've let someone down. And we've all experienced guilt. Am I in good company today of the guilty? Yeah? You've experienced guilt in your life at different times, yeah? You might have even this week, this morning, you might have experienced some guilt. And guilt is a good thing. It triggers a response. Guilt tells us, hmm, something wasn't right in that situation. I responded in a way that didn't reflect God. I said something I shouldn't. I did something I shouldn't. And then what it should do is cause us to repent, to say sorry, and then not just say sorry and then have permission to continue on in whatever behavior, but actually to say sorry and to live differently. And guilt should do that. So I think guilt kind of, it's actually a bit of our conscience just saying, whoa, that wasn't nice. Carla, that was not good driving. That wasn't kind, what you just did. The way you spoke to Stu, not good. The way you're parenting your children, not good. How you acted in work, you left early, whatever, not good. That's not, what, that's not God's best. Do something different. So it causes that change in our heart. And as you're sat here today, you might be thinking of times that you've felt that oh, guilt. Ever say something and straight away think, oh, why did I say that? Oh, I'll I do that. <laughs> and, and actually, I got so fed up of always being the one that had to say sorry that I was like, try and just control your mouth a bit better. You're going to save yourself from a lot of apologies. So it triggers a response, a response in your heart, an action, a prayer. That's what guilt does. It triggers these things. It urges us to put stuff right, to live differently, and to move on. And you know what? Shame as a title felt really, really weighty. Guilt as a title, really, really weighty. But it's not. It's so simple. It's so, so simple. But guilt, unactioned, if we don't let it be that trigger within us, unactioned, just left to fester, can turn to shame. And shame is a whole nother thing. It's an unpleasant, self-conscious emotion. It's a painful feeling. It's a mixture of regret, self-hate, and dishonor. And you know what? It's not from God. God doesn't want us as his children living with shame. That deep-rooted, that's not I do bad things. I make mistakes. It is inherently I am bad. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. That's what shame sounds like. Guilt might sound a bit different, but shame is when we internalize it and it becomes part of us. We're not worthy. I'm not worthy. And it stops us in so many ways from moving forward. It says I'm not good enough. And to be self-hating, to feel that bad about ourselves is not what God wants for us as his kids. So shame affects the way you see yourself. It will affect the way you hold yourself. If we think about shame, we don't think about somebody buoyantly walking along. We think about somebody that's crunched over, that's hiding their face, that wants to be in the shadows. It will affect the way you see others. Do you know, if you're walking in shame and feeling ashamed of yourself, it will affect the way you look and judge other people. And it will affect the way that you see God. 
And I had this picture when I was preparing. So I'm not going on holiday right now. This, I was actually, I was supposed to act then. Hold on a minute. I forgot. I didn't put weights in it like Sean because I just couldn't. Okay. That's why I didn't go into acting. I wanted to be a drama teacher. Didn't work out for me. Okay. Bear with me a minute. I'm just picking up some shame over here. Shame about my past. Shame about the things I did yesterday. Shame's about my family, my upbringing. Shame about the abuse I suffered. I'm picking it all up because it's all been a part of my life. And, you know, I kind of just got to carry it around um, with me. And I had this picture of us as Christians walking around, like trying to do things for God. Like I've been called in this generation to do stuff. Yet, my hands are pretty... I'm trying to just... Hold on a minute. If I could just swap hands. I've got to hold this bike, but I'm so debilitated by the stuff that we're carrying. So debilitated. Like, actually, I've got to lug this stuff around. So then when I come into your house, when I get into your car, when we're trying to be friends... Oh, hold on a minute. Let me just put this down. Let me just put this down. Oh, put this... I've got all this stuff with me and it weighs you down. The Bible's clear about us not needing to do this, okay? I've got so many different people's rucksacks. I promised I wouldn't go in them, but it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, what we, what we could find in there. I had this picture of all this baggage and actually the picture in my mind was of it being big black bags. Loads of them. For me, that meant the abortion I had at 18 years old. For me, it meant the countless relationships I had. It meant drugs, alcohol. It meant trying to live on my own. It was all that stuff, all these black bags filled with trash, filled with rubbish in front of me. And me behind it, knowing that I can see a glimpse of God, can see a glimpse of him and who he is, but actually it obscuring my view, like... I know he's there, but I'm not getting a good picture of God. In fact, the picture of God I'm getting is an angry dad that's cross with me for the things I've done wrong. And the picture I'm getting of other people, of Christians, it's obscured by all this stuff that's just in front of me. And I'm not seeing the people of God as the people of God that are on this earth to show his love and light. I'm not seeing things clearly because I have all this baggage that I have refused to put down. The Bible clearly tells us that he died and took on our shame, our pain, our sickness, took it all so that we could have a brand new clean slate. But we can choose to keep picking this stuff up. I can clearly remember not long ago being on the front row in church and having a situation in my life that I felt unforgiveness, just rising up someone that had wronged me. And I was in worship thinking about this situation. Now, I know none of you ever get distracted in your worship, but I was distracted on this day, and I felt God so clearly say to me, do you really want to pick this back up? Really? So clearly, and I don't say that lightly. I don't talk like that. Oh, God said this. God said that. Do you want to pick up that broken relationship that unforgiveness, that baggage, that hurt, 
that rejection. Do you want to pick it back up and then start walking with it again? Because you can. It's your choice. And I just wept, as I do, on the front row and said, no, you freed me of so much. You freed me of so much. Why would I, after the painful death that you died on my behalf, pick up stuff that's not mine to pick up? And I made a choice that day regarding that situation. Carrying baggage, not a good idea. Not a good idea. It hurts you. It hurts you. I made a decision that day that I believe just set me on a course in that relationship that has meant it has got better, that healing has come. But I had a choice on that day. Guilt triggered a a response so that shame couldn't get a root as I acted on it. So, Genesis 3 verse 7 says... We hear the story, we're going to do this really quick because then I'm going to get someone up to tell their story and you're going to hear from them. But Genesis 3 verse 7 talks about Adam and Eve. Most of us know that story even if you're new to church today and this isn't your home or you don't really know what we're all about. Most of us know the story of Adam and Eve. We know what went wrong. They were in a great relationship with God. They did stuff that God told them not to do. It separated them and that's where shame came in. It says at that moment their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt ashamed of their nakedness. Shame came in in that very moment and has plagued humanity ever since. Jesus came along, does this incredible, lives an incredible life, dies an incredible death, is resurrected and we're told that our shame has been dealt with and we can come back to God. Isn't that just amazing? Shame causes separation from God. Adam and Eve were separated from God. His plan was for them to experience his goodness each and every day of their lives, but shame came in. Sin left undealt with. Guilt ignored will turn to shame and it will leave you feeling lost and alone and unsure how to find God again. My prayer is today that if you're here and you've been carrying shame, shame regarding your past, shame regarding something you did yesterday, shame regarding something you did last night, I don't care when that shame came to be, I believe God wants to deal with it really simply. He wants to free you from it so you don't have to walk around and be the person that has all this with you. Um, a few weeks ago, um, I was, went to an event on a Saturday. It was Farai and Tino. And um, they did a well-being event and spoke about resilience. And it was fantastic. Farai nearly killed me in the gym. I couldn't walk for days after. And um, was having to pray nice things over her, but um, (laughs) that was absolutely brilliant. Um, But I got to hear somebody's story that I thought would be so good for you to hear today. So I'm going to ask Tino to come up on stage. Tino's story is one of the grace and mercy of God and how God can turn shame around in someone's life. So she's going to just share with you for a few minutes. So give her a really big, warm welcome. Thank you, um, Pastor Carla. Um, First and foremost, I feel like I should just say, thank you, God, for this moment. I'm nervous, obviously, so bear with me. But I feel like right in this moment, I'm like slaying something. I'm defeating something. I'm actually still going through my story and this is another season of my life where I get to 
serve notice to the devil and say to him, my past is not going to get me anymore. So thank you, Pastor Carla. This is personal to me and I hope it means something to somebody today. Um, I gave my life to Christ when I was 14. And when I gave my life to Christ, I didn't have I didn't really have the word of God embedded in me. So life as it happens, being a teenager, the things that are social norms now, the things that are normalized, the things that we, we get desensitized to, like going to parties, drinking, you know, um, wanting to be in relationships and wanting to seek validation and approval and just wanting to be accepted. I went out to the world. Instead of staying the course in my walk with God, I did have the word of God to let me know that I shouldn't go one direction, but I made the wrong choices. And that life, you know, the word of God says, it says that um, sin, you know, when you are living in sin, the wages of sin are death. And for me, I was spiritually dying I was spiritually dying as I was making more mistakes, sinning, living in that lifestyle. And it caught up with me. It caught up with me around 2019. So I'm now in my 20s, late 20s actually. So that's a long time to be living outside of the will of God. I would come back, but really I wasn't wholeheartedly involved. And for me, God met me when I got arrested in 2019, after living a life of destruction and making so many mistakes, I allowed my, my mind, my mental health wasn't good. And I had just been in a state of not only doing wrong, but getting involved with the wrong people. And so I, I ended up drink driving at some point. I was just so out of the will of God that I made that decision and I got arrested. And for me, that moment was, was a moment for me to, to just really take a moment to think about my life. What had happened from being 14 years old and now about 10 plus years later, knowing what was right and wrong, what could I have done differently? So that guilt and that shame, I started to look at myself like, I am a horrible person. I should have known better. I should have done better. And I'm a social worker as well. I'm a social worker for children. So I work to try and guide people to make the right decisions. But somehow I didn't, I didn't do it for myself. Somehow I was just so blinded by not only the sin, but just wanting to conform to the patterns of the world. And at that point, I was just so lost. And you know, one of the things that I've been learning about guilt and shame is that it, it leads you to, to be self-absorbed actually, to look at yourself and think, I could have done better, I should know better. But actually, you know, when, you, when God started to work inside of me and to show me things and to show me how to come out of it, he started to show me, but did I not tell you my grace is sufficient in your weakness? The things that you feel like you should be able to do, the things that you feel like 
you should have made the right decisions. Did I not tell you that my grace is sufficient? Did I not tell you that where you are weak, where you're trying to say, you know, I'm going to be on the straight and narrow and I'm going to do the right thing and I should have done the right thing. Did I I not tell you that my strength is made perfect in your weakness? So I'm not expecting you to come to me perfect. I'm not expecting you to come to me as if you've got it all figured out. I just want your heart. I just want your heart. And he started to show me about my identity, you know, like I think about before I knew you, before, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. So he knew, he predestined even this moment. But back then when I was in tears, when I was feeling like I had to hide away from everybody, I had to come back home, I had to quit my job, I had to basically just take inventory and almost start over. What felt like it was starting over God had already begun his work. And I couldn't see that. Like what Pastor Carla is saying, that that baggage, it clouds the vision. It clouds everything. That guilt and shame, you're looking at it from myself, like I am bad. But God says, you're chosen. You're a masterpiece. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. But I couldn't see that. I couldn't think like that. But, you know, God met me where, where I was, and day by day, day by day, you know, I also had the support of the leader, Pastor Chu knows my story, Philippa was there when I was basically seeking for people to pray for me, because I was feeling so lost, I, I had dark, intrusive thoughts, I thought I didn't want to be here anymore, I didn't want to be alive, so many times I even tried to end my life before that, but now I've got vision, now I see that actually I've got a purpose. I've got a purpose in my life. And, and Pastor Carla even talking about the well-being session, honestly, the way I've struggled with my mental health in the past, I never thought I would be the one to talk about resilience. I never thought I would be the one to talk to anyone about how to keep yourself mentally and emotionally well because I was so weak. I was so down. I was so, I was, you know, it says, come to me who are, all who are weary and burdened. I was burdened. I was struggling. My mom, everybody tried to talk to me and tell me, you know, just take it one day at a time. Like, you know, you're loved. But I couldn't even accept the love. The thing is, I couldn't even accept anything. But God really helped me to come through, through his word, through praying, through seeking him out. He says, says, seek and you shall find. And truly and honestly, I found God I, even though I was saved at 14 years old, it took this situation and this situation and this life that I led to feel like, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to be that person. And now I can really truly accept the word of God and what it says, the old man is passed away and I am a new creation. Thank you so much. first thing that Tina, oh, I've got a much bigger, bigger voice. God's blessed me and my family. Um, the first thing that Tino said when she got up in that well-being session where she would talk about resilience, and resilience is the ability to bounce back. She talks about the ability to not only bounce back, but allow God to use every part of your story for his big story. And I love that this morning. So my encouragement 
is to you, that you'd be people that bounce back, that we'd be bouncy people that are able to just bounce back from things, but also we acknowledge God at work in every season, through everything. And um, she also said when she got up at that event, I'm not a public speaker. I was like, what? Are you joking? Yes, you are. (laughs) And actually, do you want to speak with me in church about guilt and shame? And she said, yes, please, Carla. That would be lovely. I bet I I was picturing her getting my message and like thinking, oh, no, what have I done? So a few verses. I want to give you a few verses. We haven't got very long left, but I want to give you a few verses because the Bible is good. 1 John 1 verses 8 to 9 says this. If we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're strangers to the truth. But if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. Not some of the time, but every single time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1 verses 8 and 9. Hebrews 10 tells us that the sacrifice that Jesus made was everything that was needed to purify us for all time, to take our sins away so that the route to God was completely cleared. You know, I picture these things kind of laid out like an obstacle course, um, things that we were trying to get over and do in our own strength to enable us to get to God. But Jesus coming and them just being removed out of the way. Like Sean last week, I think, throwing weights across the stage. You know, be these being thrown across the stage, just like completely moved out the way. The way is clear. Today, no matter where you're at in your life, no matter what you've done, yesterday, last week, this morning, when you were a child, when you were a teenager, all of that, do you know it has all been dealt with? When we come to Jesus, when we accept Jesus and all that he did, it has all been dealt with. You do not need to fling yourself over obstacles, try and get around things. You can walk boldly to God. How amazing. God Almighty, creator of the universe, who created you, you can come to him and you're good enough. You're good enough. In fact, he loves you completely. And some of you today will be sat there and you know it, you've been walking with God a long time and you're just like, yeah. But some of you will be sitting and that's hard to hear. It's hard to hear that. It settles somewhere and you just think, oh, yeah, I know that he does, but, but this, but that, but if you only knew. And I was that person for a long time. When I went to Bible school, um, nobody knew about the life I had just left behind that I'd had, that I terminated a pregnancy, that I'd been doing all these sorts of things. Nobody knew those things. And I would sit there and someone would say, just like I'm saying today, all these things. And I'd think, yeah, that's for the good Christians around me. But like, I'm still making my way to that place. Like, I've still got some repenting to do. When actually, God was saying, I heard you. I heard you the first time when you called on my name, when you called on the name of Jesus, I heard you and the way's been made clear. None of this stuff is stopping you anymore. None of it, not a thing. And I just love that. 
In Hebrews 10, it says this. It says, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us, keep us at a distance from him. Nothing. Pornography, lust, um, affairs, um, gambling, nothing, lying, cheating, being a gossip, none of that stuff can keep you at a distance from God. Do you know that? None of it. None of it also is ranked in different order. The really bad stuff and then some of the stuff, if you gossip, it's not just not so bad. It's just as bad. It's all sin, okay? It's, it's not doing what's right in front of God. None of that stuff can keep us from it. It says, nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts, this is us as believers, and if you're here today and you haven't yet made that choice, you'll get a, um, an opportunity to do that if you wish. Our hearts have been sprinkled with the blood and it removes impurity. We've been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. How amazing is that? Clean, pure, unstained, unmarked. We can come to God. Nothing separating us. You know, for Tino and her story, arrested as a social worker, going through all of that, like it's big stuff. Sean, with his story last week and his life, myself, many of you, all your stories, nothing that we can do can keep us from the love of God. Not a single thing, except us. <laughs> okay? So nothing can keep us except us choosing not to acknowledge that. Okay. Just a few things then, a few thoughts just to finish us off. Now, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of characters in the Bible, but you're going to need to do some home study. Who is going to do the homework if I give you some homework today? Okay, some of, at least you're honest, <laughs> about half of you are like, nope, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I would encourage you, I'd implore you to do a bit of homework, okay, because I haven't got a chance to tell you all that I've been studying in these last few weeks. But I wanted to talk to you about David um, that we find in the Old Testament. You can read about him in the story of David, called of God, a shepherd, a worshipper, a king, a guy that actually made some really good choices, you know, had opportunity to be revengeful and to kill someone, didn't, did all these great things, then on another day became lusty. Lusty David, has, a, has sex with someone that he shouldn't, has a baby, kills her husband. You know, these are people in the Bible. There's another woman that I've been reading about this week, found in John 8. It's a woman caught in adultery, and the religious people wanted to bring her out. Do you know that religious people love shame? Love a bit of shame. Oh, come on, come on, lady that's been found. And do you know that the law actually was that both should be dragged out, but the woman is just dragged out in this situation. She's dragged out in front of people, and they wanted to trip Jesus up, the religious people, and say, what are you going to do? Look, this woman here, she's been caught in the very act of adultery. She's been caught. What are you going to do to her? And I love Pastor Andy. I've heard him preach on this quite a few times over the years and do a really good drawing in the sand because it says Jesus knelt down. I'll tell you where these verses are in a minute so you can read. Jesus knelt down and just started writing something in the sand. Pastor Andy has said before that he was like, Johnny, write their names, <laughs> Bill, Fred, I, don't know. I should have thought of more biblical names, but I can't think of them right now. 
<laughs> Betty, whatever it might be, the name's written down there. And he says, if any of you hasn't had any impure thoughts, done anything wrong, then you by all means start picking up stones and you can stone this woman that has done this bad thing. Most of you probably here know the story that actually the religious people start to think again about what they were about to do to condemn someone to death for their wrongdoing. They actually had a bit of a reflective moment, maybe a prick of conscience, and then realized, hmm, okay, and started walking away. And then Jesus, at the end of those verses, just says something, and I am finishing up, promise. He says to the woman, he went, dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, could you imagine the terror that you would actually feel if you were being dragged out, probably half-dressed, feeling ashamed of what you've been caught doing? Feeling perhaps that you want to justify why you've been doing that bad thing, but dragged out in public, actually looking around and seeing that nobody's there. The people that were shouting that wanted you dead were not there. And then Jesus looking at you in the eye and saying, she says, I see no one. And then Jesus says, then I certainly don't condemn you either. Go and from now on be free from a life of sin. How incredible is Jesus. Do you know that it astounded the religious people that were there? In that day, it astounded them that he would say, that he could, that he could give forgiveness of sin, that he could say you can walk into a life that's looking different, that he could say you don't have to earn it. No, you don't have to crawl all the way back home on broken glass and whip yourself a hundred times and, and do all that stuff. That We wouldn't need to do that. That actually in that single moment, he would say, just go and live a life that doesn't look like that anymore. And I feel today to, to charge you, to charge us, as if I've been looking at all these verses this week, just so challenged in my heart to want to live well for God. And I had a situation recently, I had a job interview, and I was really nervous about this job interview, and I didn't get the job. <sighs> But um, I didn't get the job. Somebody else got it. And it brought on a whole heap of feelings like you're not good enough. Someone was better than you. You're not the person for that role. And all, like, all this other stuff, these thoughts just coming into my mind right at the time when I'm going to come and talk about shame. Like, you know, the, the voice of the enemy, you know who you are. And also just so tempted to sin, to be immature to be immature, to hold a grudge, to, to not reflect God. And do you know what? In this, it's a simple thing. For you, you might be facing much bigger things. But for me, in this, not getting a job, being rejected, not getting that promotion, actually, I want to reflect God to my work colleagues. As I get up and still do this, it was in the team that I work in. I'm going to be working with the person that was better than me, <laughs> which is probably a good thing. I get to work with her and learn. Maybe I'll be better. But actually a whole heap of um, immature thinking was trying to come into my mind and causing me to feel guilty. And um, so I've really been just taking this all in and picturing God, picturing Jesus, looking at me saying... Come on, live different. 
The world says this is what success looks like, but I don't see things like the world does. In that relationship, in that habit, in using those substances with what you're looking at. Do you know what? Today, we are charged with living differently. We've all done stuff, all of us. Um, but in God, we're accepted, we are loved. You know, Jesus went to that cross willingly, took on himself all the shame of the world, moved everything out the way, out the way, nothing in the way anymore so that we could come to him. We get that opportunity. Let's stand to our feet this morning, church. We're just going to pray. I want to pray for you, but I also just want to pray. If you're here today, this is a big message in terms of what are we carrying. And we're on a journey as a church where we just want to have our hands free of baggage so that we can get busy using these hands for all that God's called us to do in this generation. We've got stuff to do and we cannot be lugging around a whole heap of stuff that God doesn't want for us. For you in your life, do you know what? God wants you free. God wants your heart free. Um, and he wants to be in a relationship with you. He loves you completely. He has good plans for you. You're not here by accident. He had you in mind um, from the moment you ever came to be. And he has a plan. Um, and we're going to just say a prayer together. We're going to say a prayer. It's very simple. It's not a big, long religious prayer. It's a very simple prayer um, where we ask for forgiveness and we turn our hearts to God. You don't have to understand everything that was said today or any of that stuff. You can simply turn and he will do something amazing in your life. So let's close our eyes, church, and repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that without you, I am lost. I'm a sinner. I ask for forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and you rose again. I turn from my sin and I invite you into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Keep your eyes closed for a minute. If you're here today and you said that, not understanding fully what it means, but you meant it, I want you just to raise your hand for me. If you said that prayer and you said, you know what? There's a hand at the back there, hand there. You meant it. You prayed and you said, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to understand what this all means and I want to walk with you. Fantastic. Anyone else? Okay, hand here as well amazing you have just made an incredible decision and you know what it says it says that all of heaven applauds at your hands being raised about what happened just in that moment really simply in you raising your hand and praying that prayer something changed you know all that stuff that I talked about being in the way it's been removed even if you don't feel it yet okay so there's some people at the back that will give you some resources that will just be good for your life. Go and see them, please. Or come and speak to me after the service if you're one of those people. Um, and I just want to pray for you. Is that okay? Okay, Father, we just thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for our sin to remove that sin, to move every blockage, that we could come and experience your mercy and your grace and forgiveness. And today, Father, I pray you would start something in the hearts of your children 
that would bring freedom and liberty from shame and guilt for your glory, that they would not be those that lug around years of shame and guilt and worry and anxiety and fear, but they would be those that are free. And right now, God, we just, we just open up our hearts to you and ask you to just continue to take us on, that, on this journey in you, that we would be those that are free, that we're not held back by all the baggage on our lives, but those that can run after you with endurance, the race that is set before us. So I thank you for each and every one today and ask you to bless them and free them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.